Hello, Real Life family and friends. Pastor Tim with you again today as we are continuing our series on living by faith. We are not called in the Bible to live by our emotions or our feelings or the popular opinion of the day or the cultural values of the day, but we are called to live by faith. Faith in God and faith in His Word and what He says and to believe God's Word, to get it woven into our hearts and to have that dictate our attitudes, our decisions, and it will also determine the quality of our life. And so we are a people saved out of darkness, saved out of brokenness, saved out of death, and we are called to live a new life. And we live that new life by faith, by believing and trusting in God, believing and trusting in His Word, putting it into practice, by putting it into our hearts, and then it changes our lives. And so today we're continuing this series on living by faith. And we started by talking about faith sees differently. That we are not seen with just physical eyes, but faith sees beyond the physical realm into a higher reality, the reality of the spiritual world and the truths that will eventually swallow up all these temporary circumstances. That we have eternal life in Christ Jesus. We have the ultimate victory in Him. And one day all evil will be dissipated, will be defeated. All hurt, all brokenness will be healed. We will see God face to face. We will see Him. We will be like Him. We will experience perfect joy and peace. And that's the faith that we hold on to. That is our living faith. That is our hope. And so we're, we're asking for, for, for Jesus as he taught us to pray that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven, in the spiritual realm. And then last week, I continued that series by building on that idea and talking about faith doesn't just see differently, but faith speaks differently right? Faith speaks. Faith always speaks. Wherever there's faith, it is talking and it is proclaiming and agreeing with the word of God and God's will to be done on the earth. And so we talked about saying an amen and how do we get to the place where faith arises from inside of us and it bubbles up and comes out of our mouth and we begin to proclaim and agree with God's word. How do we do that? We talked about the, uh, the parable of the sower and how it's so incredibly important for our hearts to be humble and hungry like soil to receive the seed or the word of God into our hearts. And once we receive that seed through a humble and hungry heart, not a, a proud heart, which, which is hard and crusty, right? And the seed can't take root, but out of a hungry humble heart, receiving God's word into our lives, wanting God's will to be done, wanting to learn and grow, wanting to be transformed, wanting to submit every area of our life to God and let his word affect us and change us, right? And the second part of that parable talks about the importance of it getting deeply planted into our heart, not a shallow soil, not just a, a flippant thought, oh, that was a good message and we go on and we forget about it, but to meditate on God's word to chew on it, to think about it, to contemplate, to memorize, to, to put it deep into our heart until it weaves right into the very fabric of our being and it becomes who we are. And thirdly, as that seed is now growing from the depths of our heart, is we need to be aware of the other 
uh, things in this world that will try to choke out the life of God's word in us. And those things, Jesus said, is the deceitfulness of wealth, chasing after money. Money always wants to replace God in your life as a false God. Uh, the second one he mentions is worry. Wow, when we are worrying, we are doing negative meditation. Instead of meditating on God's word, his eternal truths, uh, who he is and who we are, and what, what the, the, uh, the spiritual realm is, is really all about, instead of doing that, worry is meditating on the negative and the, um, the things of this earth and the things that are temporary. And it will choke out the Word of God because it's the opposite of what God's calling us to do. And thirdly, just the wishes of our flesh, the lust, the greed, the distraction of this world. We get caught up in chasing so many different things except God. And Jesus says, listen, stop chasing everything else that the world's chasing, right? Matthew 6, seek first my kingdom, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that the world chases, you'll have. I will meet your needs if you put me first. And so that's what the message was last week. Faith not only sees differently, but it speaks differently. And today, I really want to continue and build on uh, this idea and do a part two of Faith Speaks Differently. And I want to talk to you just very practically about the power of words. The power of words. Now, we know that when the Word of God gets into our heart, it will come out and that will be speaking life. But I just want to remind you and also make sure that you understand, all of us, the power of our words and where that power comes from. I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning. Now, Proverbs 18.21 says this, and many of us know this verse. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, the words that we speak literally carry with them life and death, life or death. And we can choose what words we are speaking will affect life or death upon our circumstances, upon ourselves, upon those around us. So this is true. Words are powerful. And that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That, that's just a lie. That <laughs> doesn't make any sense scripturally. There's no basis to that. Words do hurt. Words are powerful. Words can bring life and words can bring death. Words can bring blessing and words can bring cursing. Words can save and words can destroy. And so this is the power of words that the Bible says that we have. Now, where does this power come from? Two main ideas I want to share with you about this before we get into some more practical uh, implications of this. Number one, why do our words contain power? Our words contain power because God has chosen the spoken word to be the conduit of creation. God has chosen the spoken word to be the conduit of creation. So Genesis 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, and God spoke, God used words and he said, let there be light and there was light. And the scriptures continue in this sort of repetition, this rhythm of God speaking and creation happening, and God speaking, and creation happening. And over six days, God spoke everything in creation into existence out of nothing, 
Out of nothing, God speaks and creation comes from the spoken word. This is a, a reality. All of creation was made through the spoken word except one, one part of creation, and that is you and me. We were handcrafted by God himself. That's pretty cool. Our bodies were handcrafted by God. And then he breathed into us. So God created everything with words. In fact, the very first thing that God created was in the Hebrew uh, sentence, the first sentence of the Bible, sounds like this. Barashit bara Elohim et hashemayim ve'et ha'aretz. Now, as I break that down very quickly, I've taught this very, very recently here, is in the beginning God created, and then there's this word aleph tav. The first and last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And that Aleph Tav, in, as I have broken this down in the past, uh, can be interpreted, in my opinion, as the language, the Hebrew language. In the beginning, God created the language, the heavens, and the earth. And so the first thing God created was the word. And we see that in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. The Son... Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, the firstborn over all creation. In the beginning, God created the Aleph Tav, the Word, the Son. Jesus is the Word. He is the language and the language, the Word of God, through which God created the heavens and the earth and everything that we see, through which God created all of this through the Word. The Word was the first thing created. The Word is the Son of God. And this Word put on flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw the word of God in human form, the son of God living among us. Oh man, these things are worth thinking about, meditating on and letting your brain be stretched beyond what size it is right now. You think about these things. They are so much higher than our capacity to understand, but they're really fun to think about. Just incredible. In the beginning, God created the language, the word, and then through the word, the heavens, and the earth goes on to say in Colossians for in him in Jesus all things were created things in the heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities whether it's in the spiritual realm or in the uh, or in the physical realm all things were created by him and all things have been created through him the word and for him he is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. I mean, the, you need to think about this verse. You need to meditate on this. This is an amazing uh, couple of verses here. Colossians chapter 1, 15 to 17. I really think that's talking about Genesis 1, 1, and how Jesus is the word. And through the word, through the spoken word, we see all things are created. All right, so this is a pretty powerful thought. Think about this one more time. God has chosen the spoken word to be the means of creation. The second main point I want to make about this, this is why words are so powerful. The second thing is our words, our words now, contain the power of God because we are using God's breath to speak these words. Because God chose words to be the means of creation, now we use words, but the words that we are speaking are coming from the breath of God, the same breath of God that spoke the light into existence has been breathed into us. That's why words are powerful. 
Because the Bible says this, Genesis 1.27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So I'm made in the image of God. You're made in the image of God. What does that mean? Well, there's, there's a substance of God in me and in you that is not of me, but is of God. I'm made in the image of my Father. There are some capacities that I have that come directly from Him. That I'm not just human, uh, uh, a human distinct creation, completely different from God, but there are some God parts that God has put in me because I'm made in His image, and so are you. And one of those things is His breath. It says Genesis 2, 7, Then the Lord God formed man, from the dust of the ground, this idea formed, this word formed, is the idea of a potter molding clay. We see in Ephesians that we are his masterpiece. We are his handcrafted, one of a kind. So God was handcrafting you and me with his own hands, but then something different happened. He didn't just build us with his hands, but it says, and God breathed into his nostrils, mankind, into his nostrils, the breath of life, the ruach of God, the very breath and spirit of God was breathed into us lip, lip to lip. God did mouth to mouth resuscitation and, be, and it's not really resuscitation, it's sustation, or I don't even know if that's a word, but you know what I'm saying. He breathed life into us and it says, and the man became a living being. We were not alive before God breathed into us that breath of life. We were just an empty shell that God was creating with his hands. But then he got down and he got intimate and he put his lips, I believe. Yeah, this is just my imagination that God came right down. And it says he breathed his breath into mankind and mankind became a living being. So we have the breath of God in us. It's his breath. It is not our breath. It's not just molecular, you know, structures of oxygen and nitrogen or whatever, all the elements that can consist of the breath and the air that we breathe. That, that, that's a real small thinking. We're going, we're going much higher than that. We're going to the very beginning that God breathed his breath into man. And as long as we have his breath, we have life on this earth. But as soon as God takes that breath back, then our life is over on this earth but our spirit will live forever. That's who we really are. So that's why words are powerful. Because as I summarize these two things, I'm really trying to get this through because this brings more weight to the words that you're speaking. And I want you to see how important it is for God to help us speak words of life because words are powerful, they are not idle. And we are creating things by the words that we speak, whether those are good things and life-giving things or those are destructive things or curses or harm that's being done. And so the summary is God has chosen the spoken word to be the means of all creation. And then he gave that power and his breath into you to also speak and create. That's why Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, you will get what you are professing, whatever you are speaking. Wow, how powerful. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36, I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. He says words matter. Every word matters. And every word that you speak is going to affect your life in one way or another. It absolutely will and is 
and to a large extent, your life is the way it is right now because of the words that you've been speaking. And the words have been spoken to you and over you that you have uh, allowed to dictate your heart and to, to, to dictate your decisions. So we're going to talk about some of that too. And if there's been some negative words spoken over you, some curses over you, there is a way to be uh, set free from those words of cursing and those words of harm. And you can be free of those things. But it, there's so much importance to this topic for you and for me to live by faith we must speak differently. We are speaking out of faith and out of God's word and God's truth, not out of our opinions and our thoughts and our feelings and our experiences and you know, what we want and what people are telling us to do. And we're not speaking out of that stuff. We're not speaking out of temporary uh, truths. We're speaking above that by faith, speaking differently what God's will is, and we are creating life out of those words. That's why we're talking about this. So important. 1 Peter 3.10 says, Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. So again, this is a Peter writing this. Look, if you want to have a good life, if you, if you care about having joy and peace and a good life, then you need to watch your words. That's what Peter's saying, because you need to stop speaking evil, stop being deceitful with your words. If you want to have a good life, then it's going to be traced back to your words. I hope this is helping you and encouraging you to look at this area of your life. What words are coming out of your mouth? You know, are they producing life and freedom and hope and faith? Or are they hurtful? Are they depressing? Are they uh, looking at the, the, the negativity of things around you? The quality of your life is in direct relationship with the words that you speak. The quality of your life is in direct relationship to the words that you're speaking. That, that's pretty a somber thought. Now, no one is perfect in this area of life. No one is perfect in the words that we speak. But God has given us tools to correct our mistakes, if you will to cut things off that we said we shouldn't have said, or uh, to, to be healed from words that have been spoken to us and hurt. So no one's perfect, but that doesn't mean that we don't have every motivation in the world to get better at speaking words of life instead of words of death. Amen? I mean, we need to take this seriously because the, the scriptures are overwhelmingly clear about the power of our words. So while no one's perfect, it doesn't mean, ah, well, can't do it anyway. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. The Bible says no one's perfect in this, but we are growing in this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we want to grow in this because we want more life around us and less death, right? So in James chapter 3, he talks about this a little bit. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, uh, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Isn't that something? If you never make a mistake with your words, the Bible says you're perfect. You're able to keep your whole body uh, in perfection. That's how powerful our words are. But nobody is. Nobody is perfect. It goes on to say, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, right? A little small bit in the, in the, mouth, in the mouth of a horse. 
Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot decides to go. Likewise, the tongue. You look at our body, the percentage of my body weight in this little tiny organ, the tongue, right? It says, look at our tongue. It's a small part of the body, but it make, makes great boasts. <laughs> Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark or a little match. One little match, one little flame can take out an entire forest. Acres upon acres of forest. The tongue also is a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself on fire by hell. <laughs> Man, this is kind of depressing. <laughs> this is pretty strong language. And what, what the uh, writer James is saying is, our mouths, because our mouths had the power of life and death, if, if anger, if bitterness, if rage, if the devil is using our words, it can literally change the course of our life for a really uh, negative spiral. It can flare up and break relationships, break marriages. Uh, it can create wars. We've seen wars created by words. Um, it can destroy your life. And that's what the analogy here is that the, the idea of this passage is to stress to us how important our words are. It goes on to say, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, we are not giving up on this idea of growing in our ability to speak life, but this is the reality of the power of our words. And to be idle with our words or to not give it attention uh, is to not be wise. And so today's message is to empower you with a fervency to begin to filter your words with God's word and be a blessing, a source of blessing in life, not a source of destruction, negativity, cursing, breaking people down, harming people, harming yourself. That is of the devil. It really is. That is not of God. To use the power that God has given you to destroy is not of God. That's a misuse and an abuse of the image of God that he has placed inside of you. He's given you that breath in order to replicate life. life. And so by the grace of God, we pray that, Lord, you would help us to speak words of life. You would set us free from patterns of cursing other people of gossiping, of harming ourselves and others. Lord, may you redeem our tongues and redeem our breath, the breath that you have given us, so that we are indeed a fountain of life and blessing and fullness and freedom and hope and wholeness to ourselves and to those around us, not uh, used to harm anyone. We pray your help, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we need to choose our words wisely, words of life, not death. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And so our words can greatly affect the people around us. We can lift people up 
And the Bible says, don't even let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth. Don't bring people down. Don't talk negative. Don't talk gossip. Don't talk cursing to people. But only what will build other people up. Okay? And so that's our, that's our goal. Do not just try to avoid saying wrong things, but I want to encourage you to be proactive about saying the right things. Choose to be a fountain of blessing. Take initiative to speak life, to build up, to bless, to encourage, to stir up, and to inspire other people with your words and yourself. Do it to yourself. Speak God's word over yourself. Build yourself up. Let your faith be speaking, not your fear, not your pride, not your worry, not your hurt, not your anger. If any of those things are speaking, it's not going to be uh, speaking wholesome words. It's not going to be speaking words of life. It's not going to be lifting people up or bringing people together, right? But faith is always coming from God's word. It's always going to inspire a lifting of a human soul. It's going to unlock the God potential in one, one another. It's going to build one another up. It's going to bring life and freedom, not condemnation and accusation. So last week we talked about how faith comes from hearing the word of God as I started this video. And so what, what we need to understand is that are we speaking out of faith which saves, or out of our flesh, which destroys. Now, if I was to take Jesus, okay, and I was to com compare Jesus's um, character and his motives uh, and, um, and what he is trying to accomplish in your life with Satan and his character and his motives and what he's trying to accomplish in your life, Let's just take a second to think about this, okay? Because it has a lot to do with our words. So while Satan, on the one hand, um, he is, I'm just trying to find my, my, my notes here. I made a list of this here. Satan, Hasatan in, uh, in Hebrew is the name Satan, Hasatan. It means the accuser. So Satan is the accuser. And he wants you to be accused by others, and he wants you to be an accuser. When we begin to accuse, when we begin to speak words of accusation uh, against other people, we're, we're actually in alignment with Satan's will. I know that might sound harsh, but it's true. Our words are coming out of us to, ac to accuse. That is the accuser's goal. What is Jesus' goal? He is the atoner. He is the one who doesn't accuse. In fact, the Bible says God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Jesus came to atone for our sin, not point the finger. Not to say, oh, you're, you're this and you're that and you're all, and, and trying to identify us with our fallenness. Trying to identify us in our sin so that we are beaten down and we're paralyzed and we're depressed and we give up. And we run from God because we're so, we're so unworthy, right? Jesus doesn't speak like that to you. And so Jesus doesn't want you to speak like that to someone else. He wants you to be an atoner, to be a, a one who covers over one's sin, right? But Satan is an exposer, an accuser. And he wants to reveal everybody's sin. And he wants to beat you down with it and make you shameful. Now, another aspect of this is Jesus forgives, but the, the devil, Satan, he condemns. 
He wants to condemn you. Anything that's coming out of our mouth that is condemning people, judging people, beating them down, that is not of God, that's of the devil. That's speaking words in alignment with the devil's will, his desires to destroy. But God's will, faith speaks differently than that. Even in the midst of people's struggles and weaknesses and so on, faith speaks forgiveness. Faith speaks mercy and grace. And we let people um, experience the grace of God, not the condemnation of the devil. Another part is that Jesus always is speaking truth. His truth is not based on the temporary circumstances. Jesus is the Word. He is the, he's the Son of God. He sees the end from the beginning. He sees what is most true. He's the Word. He is the truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the truth. So Jesus is always speaking truth. Okay, But the, the devil is a deceiver. Jesus said of him, he is a liar. He is a deceiver. He only speaks lies. And so um, we're, we need to keep this in mind that we need to be speaking in alignment with Jesus, not in alignment with the devil. And finally, um, Jesus calls Satan a murderer. He is a murderer. He is trying to murder people. He's trying to steal from you, harm you, murder you, kill you, separate you from God. But Jesus came to give us life, to give us fullness. Now, we take this with our words, you see, and we can see what words are in alignment with who. Because whichever, uh, how, how did I put this? I had this somewhere in my notes. I wrote this. Yeah. Whoever you listen to and believe or follow, that's who you're serving. If, if words are coming out of you of condemnation, of bitterness, of, you know, hate, uh, you, that is not coming from God. You are listening to the wrong spirit. You're, you are being influenced by the devil and you're doing his work. You're doing his work. You're speaking death over people. You're judging people. You're condemning people. You are doing the work of the devil. But if your words are coming from a place of grace, um, hope, truth, life, um, now you are in alignment with Jesus and you are producing life around you. And you're giving people hope. You're giving people grace. You're, you're helping them come to God, not run from Him. This is so important, so important. And so um, Jesus says this, uh, that we need to, not, that, scratch that thought, not that Jesus didn't say anything important, but that's not what, that, I want to go in a different direction. I want to go into another area of this I think is really important. And the Bible talks about the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is an analogy for the Word of God. The Word of God is meant to be spoken. God speaks the Word. Jesus came. He lived it. He spoke it. And now, by faith, we need to speak the Word of God. The Word of God spoken is our sword in the spiritual realm. So we are in a battle. Bible tells us very clearly we're not battling against flesh and blood. We're not battling against one another, although it looks like that, and we think that sometimes. But we are dealing with a spiritual realm, and the battle is between truth and lies. And the battle is be between who do you align yourself with? What are you believing? And so the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, which is the truth of God, which needs to be spoken, and that's how we fight the spiritual battle with the Word of God. 
by speaking it out. I want to remind you that this is what Jesus modeled for us when he was in the desert uh, and being tempted by the devil. And in Matthew chapter 4, we can read this story. You can read this later on your own, verses 1 through 11. Every time the devil came and lied to Jesus or tried to deceive Jesus or tried to manipulate Jesus by even taking some of the scriptures and twisting it to create a trust in him instead of the trust in the word of God, Jesus defeated the devil by quoting, speaking out loud, the word of God. Three different times. Jesus says, it is written, it is written, it is written, and he's speaking the word of God out. He's speaking by faith, and he defeated the devil's temptations. He defeated the devil from trying to distract him, uh, deceive him, or to trust in his word instead of God's. How did he do it? By speaking the word of God and using the sword of the Spirit. I want to remind you that Jesus in Revelation 19.15, it says, Coming out of his mouth, Jesus, when he returns, is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword that he strikes down the nations. What's coming out of his mouth? Words. <laughs> the word of God. The word of God is the sword of the Spirit. Jesus is speaking, and when he speaks at the end, he is destroying all evil. How does he win? Through speaking the word of God. How will you win, whatever battle you're in? Through speaking by faith the word of God. Right? Second Thessalonians 2.8 says, And then the lawless one will be revealed at the end of the time, at the day of the Lord, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Jesus doesn't need a sword in the hand swinging it to slay people. He is going to destroy the evil one, the lawless one, with the breath of his mouth. With whatever he says, that power will defeat him. The power of the word of God coming from the word of God. <laughs> Woo! You see the power of our words? The power that God has entrusted with us so we must speak God's word over our lives. Revelations, Revelation 12, 11 says, They triumphed over him, the evil one, by the blood of the Lamb, by what Jesus has done for us, restoring our souls, saving us, and, uh, and cleansing us from the curse of sin, and by the word of their testimony, by the word of your testimony, by a word that you are speaking out loud, that's how you defeat the enemy, by what Jesus has done for you and by what you say, your testimony, your faith, speaking out loud of what God has done for you. That's how you defeat the enemy. Amen? Power of words. Power. I know I'm trying to cover a lot of material here, but this is a very important topic. I'm hoping that you're learning and gaining some information here that will change your life as you meditate on these, these scriptures and truths. Another thing I want to talk about with you. Uh, if I have time, two more things. One, God gives us a new language to accomplish what we're not able to accomplish with our own language and our own understanding. I'm talking about a spiritual language. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit for you to empower you with the breath that God has given you to speak a language that you don't know in your mind, but it is still the breath of God going forward by the Holy Spirit in you speaking God's perfect will into the situation and into the earthly realm to bring the will of heaven 
onto the earth. It's called, you know, we call it tongues or your spiritual language. Words are so powerful that God has enabled you with another unknown language to speak his will into existence that bypasses your limited understanding and your limited thinking. There are prayers that God wants prayed that your brain would not allow you to pray because you wouldn't understand why you'd be praying that. And so God gives us a spiritual language that will cut through all of that limitations that we have in our lack of understanding. And God will give you a spiritual language to pray over situations. And the will of God is coming from the Spirit of God in you and using the breath of God to release the will of God. Whoa! That's why tongues is so important. Our spiritual language is so important. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 17 and 18, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So part of the armor of God, part of the way for us to be victorious in our Christian life is part of the armor of God is to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. To pray in a spiritual language that surpasses your limitations of your own understanding of the situation or even what to pray about. Uh, the Bible says that when we are praying in tongues, there's three things happening. Number one, we are speaking God's perfect will. We're speaking God's perfect will. Romans 8, 26 and 7 says in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. In our minds, we don't always know what the will of God is. We don't know what to pray for. But the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, intercedes for us through wordless groans, through our spiritual language, I believe. And he who searches our hearts, the Spirit, knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Spirit intercedes for God's people. The Holy Spirit is praying through you, for you, and for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Woo! You're not just babbling. You're, you're not just making up words. The Holy Spirit is breathing through you a spiritual prayer in accordance with the will of God that surpasses your understanding. And it activates the will of God in your life and, and on the earth. Wow, that's the power of our spiritual language. Number two, you are building up your spirit when you're praying in your spiritual language. 1 Corinthians 4.2 4, uh, 4, and 4.4 4, it says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. We're speaking to God. The Spirit, through us, is speaking directly to God. Why would God do that? Because what I said at the beginning. Because God has chosen the spoken word to be the means of creation. So when God wants to create his will on the earth, someone has to speak it. Well, if you don't know what the will of God is, but God knows what the will of God is, okay, and God is willing to speak through you, even though you can't understand it, through a language that will supersede your understanding, and you're a willing vessel to do that, now God is speaking through you His will with His breath, and it's got the same creative power. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I hope this helps you. I hope this makes some sense to you. It's so amazing. And he goes on to say, no one understands them. 
right? Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. So there's some edification going on. We don't understand all this, but God is building us up when we're speaking in our language, okay? Our spiritual language. So we're speaking God's will. We're building up our spirit. And finally, we are setting into motion God's will on the earth, as I mentioned in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. God says to pray in the spirit on all occasions. Why? So that God's will can be activated on the earth. All right, one more idea. I know I'm cramming a lot of information in on this video, but one more idea I want to share with you is our words come from our heart, right? The mouth, Jesus says in Matthew 12, 34, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So the idea here is to continue to fill our heart with the Word of God, like I was talking about last week. We need to fill our heart with the Word of God. But some of our hearts are filled with some curses, filled with some hurtful things, filled with some brokenness, uh, words that have been spoken over us. I want to encourage you, you can be set free from these. Uh, sometimes I call these word curses. Some things that we live with are generational curses. They are just mantras of our family line that were spoken over us time and time again or repeated as like, this is how life is. You know, this is what we do. This is how things work. But they could be, ant they could be against, anti the word of God. They could be against God's will for your life, but you don't know it at the time because that's just how you're growing up. And so when we come against these types of things, we need to make a decision. Are we going to believe and hold on to our, our upbringing or these words that were spoken over us, which are contrary to God's word? Or are we going to live by faith? And we're going to trust that God's word is true. And this other word, because it's opposite of that, must not be true. Therefore, I'm going to switch my allegiance in my heart and in my mind. To God, I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to live out His truth, not the truth, which is not a truth at all, that I was taught or that I experienced or that's been spoken over me or told to me. I'm going to break off. I'm going to break off that, that thought, that hurt, that label. I'm going to break that curse. It is of the devil. It is not of God. It's not producing life in me. It's only producing hurt. It's depressing me. It's stymieing me. It's holding me back. Um, it's not true. It's a weed. It's a thorn. It's a, it's a lie of the devil who is a liar, a deceiver, and a murderer, and a thief. And these mantras, these words, these curses, these things that have affected me in my life are stealing from me. They are not from God. They're accusing me, condemning me, uh, stealing from me, depressing me, uh, you know, holding me back. That's not from God, right? So we have a choice to make. Do I want to break off that curse and trust in God's word? Or am I going to hold on to what I think because this is the way it's always been? You know, and that's the power of our words and our thoughts, and if you are struggling with something that has hurt you, words that have hurt you, words that have been spoken over you, labels that have been placed on you by other people's words, you can be free from that. You really can. What you need to do is you need to repent to God for believing those lies. I know maybe you're three years old, five years old, seven years old. Maybe it was told to you a thousand times and you really didn't have much of a defense mechanism to resist it. I understand that you're just a child or, or these things are happening, but you still need to repent. You need to say, God, I'm changing my mind. 
I'm not going to give this credit in me anymore. I'm going to believe what you say about me. That's repentance. That's what I mean by repent. You have to take, you may have to make that decision. I'm not going to believe that anymore. That's not who I am. This is who I am. That's not true about me. God, this is what you say is true about me. Do you see what I'm saying? So the first part of getting set free from these word curses and the pain that they've caused in your life and these labels is to repent, to change your mind, to not believe this any longer, but to believe what God is saying. And so you do that by turning it to God and saying, God, I repent, right? We're going to do that right now. If there's an issue in your life, follow my lead. Say this with me, Lord Jesus, today I come to you with this hurt, with these words, with this curse that's been over my life, or these thoughts that have dictated so much of my emotion, so much of my life quality and decisions. And I repent for giving it any credence in my heart, for letting it take up any space in my heart or my mind. I repent, Jesus. I, I choose to not believe it anymore. I believe you. I believe that you love me. You're for me. And you have life and freedom for me. And I choose what you say about me. And I choose your truth over this lie and I change my mind right now, Lord, and I submit myself to you as Lord and Savior. I submit my whole heart and my mind to you, Jesus. I believe in you and your word. You are true. You're the way, the truth, and the life. And I submit myself completely to you. Amen. Amen. That's step one. Step two now is you actually renounce that thought. You actually talk to that thought and you break it. Renouncing means you're breaking it. You're not going to put up with that any longer. Jesus has set you free from the curses of sin and death. And so you actually speak to that. And then the third thing is you replace it with God's truth. You start to begin to just repeat to yourself a new mantra. What is God saying? What verse are you going to hold on to? Find the truth in the Word of God because the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. That's how you defeat this lie is with the truth. Find that verse, memorize it, meditate on it, talk with someone if you need some help finding the truth in your situation, and you replace it. So we repent, we renounce, we replace. So right now, join me as we renounce this lie off of our life. We're going to break it right now. Pray with me. Jesus, I thank you that you are here right where I'm at right now in this moment, and that you are present in the power of your, your presence. Your Holy Spirit is with me right now to defeat this spiritual lie that has tried to steal from me and lie to me. And so right now, I speak to you lie, speak to your lie, whatever it is. Say, I no longer believe in you. Say that right to your lie. Say it out loud. I don't believe in you. You're a lie. You no longer have any hold on my life. I break you in Jesus' name. You are not true over me. You have lied to me, and I no longer am listening to you. And I break off any influence you have in my heart or in my mind. I'm done with you. I break you in Jesus' name. And then we turn to God, and we replace. And we say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your truth. Lead me and guide me into what is true. Lord, that's what's really true. Give me that verse. Give me those verses, Lord that I can now just repeat to myself and retrain my heart, retrain my mind, so that I can walk in freedom. And God, may now the words that are coming out of my heart, may they reflect the freedom that you have just purchased for me. May I speak words of life over myself 
And these new words of the sword of the spirit, may those come out of my mouth now, Lord, creating a new situation for me, a new life of freedom and fullness and peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's much more I would like to share, but I know I've gone a little long today. The final thing I want to say to you is even our salvation is purchased through words. This is amazing to me. I'm going to finish with this. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth, did you hear me? If you speak out loud with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. How? If you speak out loud with your mouth, with the words, Jesus is Lord, and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I love this phrase. Check this out. This really hit me this morning as I was going over this. And it is with, it says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And listen to this phrase. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Say that with me. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. This is more than just salvation. I want you to think about this verse this week. It is with your mouth that you begin to speak and profess your faith and you're saved. Do you see how the power of the mouth of the words that we are speaking from faith will bring salvation to us? Not just eternal salvation, but will change our situations. We are living by faith. We are living how to speak differently, right? And we are going to speak and profess our faith out of our mouth the word of God, the sword of the spirit, and it will defeat the enemy. It will save us, deliver us, heal us. Whatever the promises of God are, they are yes in Christ Jesus. And we say, amen. We say, amen. Start, keep saying, amen. Finding the promises of God, get it deep in your heart, protect it and speak it out. And it will save you. The word of God spoken in, in faith in your life will save you. So let's be saved. <laughs> let's live a saved life. Let's live a life of blessing and abundance, the one that Jesus came to give us. So I pray this message blesses you. I hope that you take time to study some of these verses and meditate on these truths and let God begin to redeem your words, redeem your tongue, redeem his breath in your life. And may you be a fountain of blessing to yourself and to all those around you. Let's build people up. Let's be a blessing. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in his name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.